Okay, so we saw this uh, article. Uh, Jackie, uh, you read this uh, a week or so ago, and you said to me, we really need to bring Zia Tong on. And I, I actually, I just love the uh, headline, the title of her article in The Walrus, which is, uh, We Are Garbage. <laughs> and I know, Zaya, you mean that in only the most loving way. Certainly, certainly, with hugs and kisses. <laughs> Zaya is the author of The Reality Bubble, Blind Spots, Hidden Truths, and the Dangerous Illusions That Shape Our World. It's nice to see you again, and thanks for coming in. Thank you for having me. Okay, we're going to drill down and talk about the garbage and our problems uh, with it. And I guess my first question, Zaya, for you is, can you kind of quantify for us uh, exactly the amount of gar- garbage the average human being is leaving behind? Gosh, the average. Uh, person leaves behind about the equivalent of over 1,000 full graves worth of garbage. And uh, as a species right now, our output is uh, absolutely tremendous. By the end of the century, we're expected to output something like 10 million metric tons per day of uh, solid waste. So we're talking about incredible amounts of garbage. I mean, if you've seen our planet from space, some of the latest ESA models, uh, our planet almost looks like a pig pen. You know what I mean? It's yeah. just surrounded by satellite refuse, you know, all these broken shards and bits, which are incredibly dangerous. Even right down in the bottom of the ocean, there's a place called Point Nemo where, you know, old shuttle bits are down there and uh, all sorts of parts from from space that, you know, there's nowhere else to put them. They go all the way down. We have parts that are in the Arctic. And even if you drink something like a glass of water, about mm-hmm. 80% of the water tested has plastic bits inside of it. So, I mean, the refuse is everywhere. But the, the key thing is here in the West, we don't tend to see it, right? It's, it's almost magical. Sure. We put out so much waste, you toss it in the garbage bin and poof, it all seems to just disappear. Well, I want to get to that in just a second, but you mentioned space, and that's something that really hit me in uh, your writing and when we talk about the garbage, because uh, yeah, you know, humans generate, I think it's what, 45 million tons of garbage and waste each and every year, which is incredible, but uh, when you try to kind of wrap your head around a number like that, I think it's amazing how you uh, reference space, and uh, I mean, we're so bad with garbage and littering, humans have even littered in outer space. <laughs> yeah, well, we've also littered on the moon, right? Yeah. Most people don't think of that. We don't realize that there's uh, hundreds of tons of garbage up there because, of course, there's no garbage men. Nobody was going to go and take everything away once the astronauts left. So there's 96 bags of urine and vomit. There's magazines. There's shovels. There's boots. There's all sorts of stuff up there on the pristine moon, even. Neil Armstrong, you filthy pig, you. Oh, dear. Yeah. I didn't mean it that yeah. way. <laughs> but, you know, there's no way to to get rid of that stuff. It's going to last for millions and millions of years before it slowly, slowly degrades. Yeah, and it's amazing when you take something as pristine as uh, outer space and uh, what us humans have done to it just through our space exploration. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's satellites and other space junk that's just floating around the Earth doing nothing right now, right? Exactly, and it's pretty dangerous. Even something that's as small as a shard that's about a centimeter is the equivalent of a hand grenade going off, right? So, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's very, very important that we start to clean this stuff up, and people are actually doing that. That's the good news. All right. As you point out, before the days of trash collection, uh, people actually had to think about their waste and had to think about their garbage. And now, of course, uh, we rarely think about it at all. And what role do you think that has played when it comes to uh, this growing problem of garbage? Well, I think a lot of it is an issue of, as human beings, so much of everything is out of sight and out of mind, right? You know, Mm -hmm. we wanted to keep everything hidden and uh, we wanted to keep it out of the way. But for 
example, like I write about it in the book, uh, you know, in, in, in earlier times in New York City, you know, they had those stoops, right? You kind of think of when you're sitting on Sesame Street stoops. Well, part of the purpose for having those stoops was because the urine and the manure and the garbage and, you know, the, the crap from the horses was, was piled up so high, especially in the winter, that you needed a stoop to walk up the steps <laughs> to kind of get away from the garbage because it was steaming and fly ridden and it was right in your face. You could not get away from it. Now, of course, if you go to places like India today, I mean, and keep in mind, we're exporting our garbage here in Canada, right? And a lot of the developing nations. Yeah, well, we truck it right out of Toronto, right? Because we've got nowhere to put it. Exactly. But, you know, we're not doing uh, other countries a big service by sending our stuff. But India has its own waste problems. But here's the thing. They don't get to just sweep it away, right? A, A poorer nation. So they have garbage that is piled so high the dumps are like mountains. And what was stunning to me is um, I actually came across, and it was in the New York Times, a judge has actually ruled that pretty soon um, they're going to have to steer airplanes on a different flight route because the garbage is piled up so high. Can you imagine that? Like, that's absolutely crazy in Sorry, my mind. Sorry, like landfills are piled so, so high, high that they're, they're going to have to reroute plane they're traffic. They're interfering with air traffic. Soon soon they're going to have to reroute. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. And again, is it just this culture where, and I think, uh, you know, I live in a high-rise downtown Toronto, and I just take my garbage and I put it in the chute. It's yep. down at the end of the hallway, and then I never think about it again. If I actually, I mean, we turn back the clock, and I was the one that had to process and deal with this uh, garbage on a daily basis, I would probably think a lot harder about uh, what I'm throwing away and how I live. Well, that's the thing. Civilizations have done this over many different eras. The Chinese, for example, when you're looking at things like human waste, of course, they used to really recycle that. That's why for thousands of years they had fertile fields. In Edo, Japan, which is what uh, Tokyo was called before, they would actually truck in, they would truck out boatloads of human feces And uh, in exchange, they would get vegetables because they would realize the value of crap. And really, that's the point of this chapter, right? I mean, um, even in Japan right now, you know, when we wash our hair, when we wash our socks, all these sorts of things, a lot of a lot of the things that we wash today actually have tiny gold particles in them. And some of these people, smart people, have started mining the sewage sludge and they're getting more out of the sewage sludge in gold than you would if you mined at a regular mine. Really? I mean, that's like, but that's the thing, right? Once we start thinking very differently, then we can look at waste differently. Like in places like Sweden, they have an entire bus fleet that's run on like alcohol and human waste and slaughterhouse waste. It's mm-hmm. because they realize that it can actually, you know, one person's trash is another person's treasure. So not all waste is created equal then. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Uh, And it's just not people, it's corporations as well. I I wanted to ask you, uh, how much are they adding to the problem of garbage? Well, I think the thing is we have this tendency to believe that, you know, we get what we get at the store and then we throw it out and that's the actual amount of waste. But we kind of forget that what we're actually looking at is about 5% of the actual process, the manufacturing, the raw resources that went into that final object and that final bit of packaging that we throw out too, right? Mm -hmm. And every object, if you think about it, you know, we always talk about a human footprint. I like to think of things having a time print. You know what I mean? When people go and they just, you know, it kind of irks me a little. You know, when you go to a, uh, you know, like a fast food place or something, you see these forks and knives and you're like, wow, 
that you're going to use that once and it's going to last for 10,000 years, yeah. <laughs> you know? So it's just a rethinking because the thing is we have to keep in mind this whole idea came about in the 1950s. It was in a Time Life ag- magazine article, this idea of disposable, this disposable life t- uh, lifestyle. We all got on board, but it was only one generation ago. And that's what gives me hope because I know that if, you know, we were thinking that way and we changed our mindset in one generation, we can change it back. It's all about valuing quality. Okay, let me ask you, what sort of effect is all of this garbage having on the planet? Because we talk constantly about climate change, of course. It's always in the news. Uh, But what about garbage? What's it doing to and how's it changing our planet? Well, I think the the number one thing we need to really, and I don't mean to laugh at all. It's just I'm a generally buoyant and hopeful person. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, the scariest thing is that um, there is no uh, our, there's no environment. That's what I've definitely argued in this book. I don't believe there is no such thing as a place that is outside from us. Everything that we put into the environment comes right back in. So you know, when you see all those whales that are you know ten garbage bags in their stomachs, when we think about the fact that you know we're consuming plastic in every bit of food, every bit of seafood, every bit of water we drink. It's not somewhere out there. It's inside of us. So that's what we really need to start thinking about. Mm -hmm. There is no environment that exists in some, you know, fairy la-la land that we're able to dump our garbage off to. So do we need a bit of a paradigm shift? Do we need people to start thinking differently? Yeah, that's exactly what the whole book is about. And, you know, this isn't something that's necessarily in the book, but I'm doing a walrus talk. It's coming up. Uh, This is based on some of the article. And one thing that gives me hope, just one of many things, is the fact that we're not a society, we soon won't be a society of things so much anymore anyway. Uh, there was a video that I posted not long ago, and it's of this uh, these two people playing ping pong. And they're playing on an augmented reality ping pong table. There's no table, there's mm-hmm. no ping pong paddle, there's no ball, but you can see them playing. And if you think about, you know, you and I growing up in an era where there were VCRs, what did you have? To watch a movie, you had to have a Big ass TV. Sorry yeah. for saying ass. Um, <laughs> also, you had to have a VCR. Then you had to have a and big it was old, big ass yeah, too, by the VHS way. VHS yeah. tapes, beta <laughs> tapes, and now what do you have? All those objects are gone. So you know things. The disappearance of things is just one way of thinking about the world slightly differently. Because we're going to be doing things in a virtual manner, do you think, or is it also because the next generation is uh, prioritizing uh, experiences and that sort of thing over uh, things and possessions? I. Think I think yeah. that uh, there there will always be both, but I think that in the realm of novel, as I said, this is only one tiny thing that I'm going to be talking about, uh, but it's one significant thing. Yeah. So, I mean, um, human beings, you know, we're, we're primates. We're always going to be attached to novelty. We love new stuff. But instead of having to actually buy physical new things, I, that's the one thing I actually like about the world of virtual reality and augmented reality is that we'll, we will see fewer things in the future. Mm-hmm. And also there's just wonderful ways of reusing things now as well. So. Right. Yeah. I mean, uh, we've talked about it on this show and certainly it's been a subject of conversation, uh, particularly I think in the last year or so. And we've seen companies and corporations uh, start to move in this direction. No more single use plastics. Uh, you know, people bring their own straws, reusable straws. Uh, that really seems, I think, to be gaining some traction. Yeah, that's definitely. Uh, so I think it's interesting because I think that the the straw has become a sort of a lightning rod in, in some political discussions. And, you know, um, it's one tiny, tiny part. It's become a little bit symbolic because there's a lot more we need to do than obviously. Sometimes like I go into Starbucks or, or whatever, let's say coffee shop. I didn't mean to name you. 
Um, <laughs> but you know, you go in there and you're like, wow, okay, so they've banned straws and every other cup is plastic and styrofoam. And you're like, that doesn't really make a dent when everything else is plastic. Yeah. And you're, you know, you're fiddling with a straw. Okay, yeah. I get but baby the symbolism. Steps, right? Well, not much time for baby steps. We've got okay. a lot to do and a lot of shifting. But I mean, for ages and ages, I mean, I've just done something that's super simple. I brought my own cutlery to work. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, that's just, yeah. I mean, it's just not a crazy idea. A knife and a fork and a spoon that I put in my desk drawer and I wash them. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> you know what <laughs> I mean? <laughs> Listen, before I let you go, I wanted to ask you, uh, you mentioned in your article that you describe uh, the problem with garbage uh, as a massive toxic bomb. Or I know there was a journalist that did that and that's said right. that this is a bomb that has no deafening boom, but instead there's a quiet fallout. I thought that that was, uh, you know, really uh, poetic, if you will. Oh, thank you. That yeah. is the boom of the reality bubble. So I hope people get a chance to read it and learn a little bit more because it's fun. It's quirky, apocalyptic. <laughs> All right. The book, again, is entitled The Reality Bubble. Zaya has got a, a fascinating article as well in The Walrus and is doing a talk called We Are Garbage. Zaya Tong, it's a pleasure as always. Thank you.